cliffcentral.com We're going to cry, laugh and love. And we're going to do it together. The Life with Libang podcast. No lies detected whatsoever. It is the truth. We are back. It's another week, another opportunity for us to hang out, chill, get to know one another, speak about some things that you've probably been thinking about. But of course, like we always do here at Life with Lebang, we make sure that we bring the right people to unpack some of the things that, you know, we've been wondering about. And this week is, of course, no different. My name is Lebang Kosana, and thank you so much for joining me on cliffcentral.com. Very, very, very exciting time of the year. There's just something in the air, you know, like, you know, this time of year, everybody just like wants to talk about women and how great women are and how women run the world. And I'm like, this is great. This is exciting. But... This is not just like a once a month thing. This is literally ongoing every single day. Women run the world. Well, we should anyway. <laughs> Women just know how to make the world a better place. You know, I wish we got more recognition than just a little itty bitty month, but I'll take what we can get. And one of the things that I'm, extremely passionate about is also just empowering women and really boosting confidence in my sisters in my cousins and my aunts in in my daughters i think it's such an important thing and there's just so many situations that you know one has been in and you sit and you're like you know all we needed was confidence all we needed was more women in such and such a situation to feel good about themselves and therefore make the other woman feel good about themselves and so on and so forth because it essentially is a ripple effect. So I'm very, very keen and excited today to introduce you to my guest who I believe is one of those empowering women. She is, she's doing such great things and I just hope that after chatting to her, you'll get a feel of the vibe that I'm feeling. So like I'm in the, in, in the studio right now and this energy is just like, just like, good, 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 good. like, I can feel it. I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a definite vibe here. And that's when I know that we've got the right person in the studio. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my guest. So uh, on the, on the script now, or rather let me say on her ID, it's written Sam. So I'm like, oh, okay. So Sam's in the house. So I meet, I'm like, Sam, do I do I have to? Is that really? She goes, bro. My other name is Nobubele. I'm like, that's the one. <laughs> so I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Sam Nobubele Mkanda, and she is a freaking powerhouse. I'm just gonna get straight into it. So I want to know more about Lady Lady Liberty because that for me, when I read about it, I was like, whoa, this is fire. This is dope. So welcome to Life with Lebang, and please share with our audience all about Lady Liberty and why it is such an important movement. Thank you so much, Levang. I'm so excited to be here. Like you said, there's just something in the air. I'm also very passionate about sharing that. Can we celebrate and at least acknowledge or just see women throughout the year and not only in August, but if they'll give us August to just highlight some issues that are important to us, we will take August. Um, so Lady Liberty, oh my goodness. Um, it is such a beautiful story, just like life that's had its ups and downs and we are back and I'm so thrilled to be here because the timing is just so impeccable with where we are right now. So Lady Liberty is really what I call it now a revolution of wellness for women, mm. for women to be well emotionally, mentally, spiritually and financially, right? And physically, of course, but it didn't start out as such. It started out as a mobile legal office, which sought to take law to women who couldn't access it and empower them using the law as a tool for them to fight for the issues that they grapple with on a day-to-day -day basis. So what that really meant was, at that time, I was working under a project, uh, Vodacom was running it, and it was called Change the World. And what they did then was to say, okay, we know that there are several nonprofit organizations that need skills, whether it's financial, legal, etc. But then corporate is snatching everybody up. And of course, then the nonprofit cannot afford the same sort of salary, so they couldn't compete with the packages on offer. So they stepped in and said, all right, you two decide what your relationship is going to be, what your KPIs are going to be, when you'll join each other, et cetera, and then we'll provide the salary. So to try and match what corporate would otherwise pay so that the person could stay within the nonprofit. While I was there, I then worked for FAMSA, Family South Africa, and I was a legal advisor there. And uh, you can imagine the issues that we grappled with there. It was very like really intense and depressing issues, marriage, divorce, maintenance of children, uh, sexual and gender-based violence, sexual harassment in the workplace, et cetera. But it hit me the 
this one day that the women who are coming to FAMSA, coming to get a session with myself and Claire, who I worked with at that time, they could relatively afford to pay us. But then I thought to myself, what about Makumalo sitting right now selling Amadombolo and yes. she's got all these issues, but she's worried about bread and milk. Mm. She can't even think of accessing a lawyer. She might not even know what pro bono law is. Even if she does and she gets that little bit of airtime, um, she can't even call us to explain what her situation was. And I thought, ah, let me take law to her. And that's how it all started. So I would literally hop in my car and go to different communities. I would arrange with the partners that are there. So it could be the SAPS, other nonprofits that work on the ground, and then just say, this is who I am. This is what I'm trying to achieve. I need you. I need the community to also have buy-in. I need to understand what are the issues there. And then we together try and resolve them. And that's how it literally all started. We would go to different communities, conduct a, a legal roadshow. So I would then come to Santon and speak with all our powerhouses, all the attorneys. Norton Rose Fulbright was an amazing partner at that time. And get lawyers I would get them a vehicle get them stationary I'm like I just need your brains come with me we speak to the ladies educate them about their basic rights and responsibilities and then um, pursuant to that where we could we would then assist them with litigation so that, that that's how it began sure yeah, look, um, it, it's it's a big job is what it sounds like. But beyond it being a big job, it's an, it's such an important job just simply because it's such an overwhelming thing, right? Mm-hmm. Law, like I think about when I had to apply for child maintenance and I was just scared mm-hmm. to do it because I was like, this thing is difficult. Yeah. It's going to need this, this and that. It's a mm-hmm. mountain that I don't know if I'm ready to climb. And I just didn't do it. I, I let it... I, Took the back burner for years. Yeah. Until such a time I was like, you know what? Let me just do some research and equip myself with the at least the bare minimum just to at least begin the process. Exactly. And then when I did, I was like, oh, it's doable. Is that it? <laughs> That's all I needed to do. Absolutely. It's not this huge mountain that one needs to climb. But, you know, there's a lot of women that don't know that. A lot of women are still scared to even the thought of court is like, yo, mudimu. Exactly. You know? So it's, it's, it's crucial for such organizations to exist so that you can almost um, uh, just take away some of the the myths, right. I guess, um, of these processes that exist, especially for women, because a lot of African women are vulnerable to, mm-hmm. like you said, inequality, GBV and child maintenance for single moms, you know, amongst other things. So what kind of cases do you guys specialize in, particularly okay. at Lady Liberty? Because um, I can imagine that it's, it, it's plenty. It's a lot. And unfortunately, sometimes we do have to not necessarily turn people away, but then refer them to maybe an entity that uh, focuses on the issues that we don't. So typically we look at family law issues. So it would be marriage. Within the scope of marriage, we look at customary marriages or let's say where you live with someone Eesh. like for years and you think you have these rights, you yeah. think you're a wife and then mm. something happens like maybe they die and then there's a policy and you realize you absolutely had no rights whatsoever. Mm. Of course, the law has come around. There's partnership agreements and things that can be put into place now. But then we would look at marriage. Help ladies understand the difference between uh, and actually marrying. But even once step uh, um, in addition to that would be the difference between a customary marriage and having it registered and recognized and giving the rights of a customary spouse similar to that of a civil spouse, what that means for you in terms of your rights as a spouse. And then that automatically brings us to a marriage in community of property versus a marriage out of community of property. What does that mean for you and your dependents? And then we touch on divorce because that's normally just tied. It's the other side of the coin. If in the event of a divorce, what do you do? Where do you start if your uh, marriage was registered versus if it wasn't registered if their children in the from that come from the union what does that mean um, let's say if the partner dies um, who inherits if they die with a will or if they die without a will that's also a whole separate discussion so what does that mean for the children if maybe as a spouse I came into the union with the child that's not the biological child of my partner all of those intricacies and then after divorce again like you said we then look at maintenance so whether you're married or not married what does it mean for you to pursue maintenance for a child? What are the rights of the father of the child? What are the rights of the mother of the child? And also I think what's key is when we spoke to women, in addition to sort of informing and educating on the rights, it was very pivotal, I think for me personally, to also help women understand their responsibilities. Because every right has a concomitant responsibility that comes with it. So you can't be like, yeah, my right to this, my right to that, but you're also, mm. you're also breaking a law somewhere <laughs> or you're punishing the father because he's annoying in 
and that sort of thing. So mm. I was very honest to say sometimes it hurts, but you also have to give this person access. Or because maybe they don't pay maintenance, it does not necessarily mean they can't access their child. So we look at issues like that. And then the last sort of area that organically developed was looking at wills and estates. So now someone has died, the family's walking in, demanding all the furniture, etc. What did that mean if you're a spouse versus if you're not a spouse, if there's a will in place, if there's no will in place? So that was the sort of overall issue. And then we got lots of requests for sexual harassment in the workplace. So lots of women in corporate spaces would come to us. And these aren't like women who are underprivileged or unemployed, etc. They're power shot. Women employed have money and sometimes executives and they're being abused within the workplace. So we then started developing a sort of labor focused um, arm of that. Well, it does really seem like uh, there's also a quick response Mm. inside of your organization, which is important because, you know, you need to be able to serve a range of of matters that that women are constantly facing. I want to speak a little bit about women's wellness at the organization. What exactly does women's wellness mean? I mean, you you hear often on Wednesdays, someone will say, okay, hashtag Wednesday wellness. Wellness. I'm like, okay, (laughs) must I gym? Must I drink water and lemon? What exactly does that mean? So what does women's wellness necessarily mean for your organization? And also how can a woman benefit from just participating in it? Interesting couple of things you've highlighted there. So as a start to even before we get to the wellness component, I burnt out um, because there were more cases than the resources available at that time. And I'm an empath. I didn't even know this. And I would take these issues home. I'm like, did she get out? I hope he didn't beat her up again in front of the children. Did she make it to the police station? If she left, did she have a place to go? Because the shelter would only take her with her daughter and maybe not with her son. Where did they end up? And that all got to me. I didn't even realize. And um, I parked it. I paused it. And that's why I was saying I'm excited now because I'm actually um, at the moment with MSF and helping them fundraise for the work that the doctors are doing. But because God placed this in my heart, it's just never gone away really. And the work has started again. And so now it's it's a, it's in a process of evolution, which then touches on wellness. So the wellness component was motivated by, there's this one woman, I don't remember her name. Um, and we had just finished the session and she, we had explained to her, basically, you're in an abusive relationship. She was ready to leave and she really just wanted to go. And I said to her, okay, when you get to the magistrate's court, fill in this form and fill in that form. And this is what you do and just get out, take the kids from school, da, da, da. And then she stopped and said to me, but I have nowhere to go. Um, I don't have family in Johannesburg. My children are in school. He's the one paying um, for my sustenance and the children. So does this mean I'm yanking them out of school? What do I do? Do I, is it homeschool them or am I pausing their future? And in that moment, I had no answer because I was speaking to her as an attorney. I wasn't speaking to her as someone who could help empower her financially to find her feet. I wasn't speaking to her as a psychologist who could help her get back to a place of, I don't know, some semblance of normalcy or wellness in her mind and her emotions. And I said to her, okay, girl, I will get back to you. Then maybe don't leave right now. And that rocked me a bit because I realized that I cannot work in isolation and focus on the law only because all these issues are connected. If I'm in a bad place emotionally and mentally, I can't even stand in court. Um, I can't fill in the forms at the maintenance court. I can't even get my mind right to go through and participate in the process. There's a psychological toil, psychological toil um, to the legal issues that we were tackling. So while I myself was trying to get back to a place of wellness, it then dropped in my spirit that, okay, we have to do this different and we have to look at other components and not just the law. And that's when the wellness component came in. What does that mean right now? We're looking at emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and financial wellness to say that, okay, while we will tell you what the law says, what the Domestic Violence Act says, for example, what your rights are, what your responsibilities are, if you at the moment are struggling mentally, here is a partner of ours that can help you psychologically. Um, So we almost tailor make the journey for you depending on where you're at and what you're needing. So that's what the wellness component looks like. We will, however, also have sessions where, for example, we will have maybe a retreat for the weekend and have, if the theme for the day is, let's look at what's happening inside. Before we fight and before we go to court and pick it, let's just come back, bring it inside. And we will have psychologists on the day 
and privacy where people can speak to a psychologist, deal with the issues, and then maybe yoga the next day. But of course, we touch on the other components that you mentioned, eating healthy, exercising a little bit where you can, um, trying certain things that we all hear all the time does also put you in a better position to tackle the other issues. So the wellness component is holistic, but we will take it bite size and deal with it, but still bring it to the core of when you're feeling stronger and you can stand, this is how then you fight. Then go fill in this form, go to the queue at the court, ask this lawyer for that, pro bono is available, etc. So it's a more holistic component that we build as we go, but it will also depend on the needs of the woman who comes. Sure. It, it, it really Again, it just sounds like you thought of everything. <laughs> because, again, these are some of the things that maybe don't often get thought of. Um, mentally, how how is a person actually doing? Spiritually, how is a person doing? Mm. Are they strong enough to be in court? Mm. Do they have the... Or are they breaking down? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm quite impressed at the fact that you offer this wellness on such a scale because... It, it almost sounds as though it can either make or break yeah. the entire experience. What are some of the immediate benefits that you've seen, um, you know, working on a daily basis with some of these amazing women? What are some of the immediate benefits that you've seen as a direct result of taking care of the wellness side first and then tending to what the need is? So there's one amazing woman that I think of right now. So I bumped into her ever so casually at game and we just struck up a conversation and she expressed that she would like to I think I was on the phone it was like a really odd chance meeting and she was like I don't know you and I'm sorry I wasn't eavesdropping but there's just something about the way you speak that's made me want to approach you because she had just been promoted and part of this new role um, included her speaking to clients and she hated public speaking. And she said she's now almost said no to that part and she's behind a desk and it's killing her because she's feeling like she's let herself down. So I was like, girl, I don't know you either, ne? but I will help you. We will figure it out. A couple of months later, we then put together a session on public speaking. But in essence, it was really about, I split the session into two. Let's look at your inner voice. What's happened to her? Why has she gone from being vocal, loud and expressive to a whisper and maybe to silence? What is that thing that's stopping you from speaking to clients or whoever it is that your day job requires? And then we can do the external part. That's the easy stuff. Hold your microphone like this. Check that the, the, you know, the tech is working. You know, give eye contact to your audience, all those other things. Um, and in that session that day, we had 10 ladies. And I'm actually glad because it got really intimate really quick. And it was an easier number for me to manage because it wasn't a large group. Essentially, what came out is that the women who were in the room had all been told at different points in their lives that you're not good enough, uh, that you can, you want to be a lawyer, where now you can't even string a sentence together, you'd, how are you going to fight in court? And through that interaction, of course, we had, you know, tears, vulnerability, opening and sharing. It was really an amazing space that just almost um, organically also just evolved. Then we made notes, we took a break, had lunch, talked about the stuff that had come out, and we had some sort of, okay, maybe consider this. That's when the uh, counseling component came in for some people, or for others, it was maybe go speak to your dad, find that closure that you're needing, or maybe, you know, talk to that lecturer and, and help them understand what the feedback they're giving you means and what it's doing to you. She then uh, phones me last week, um, and through our session says to me, you know what I also realized? The fact that she was almost putting on a persona to go to work um, and she wasn't taking herself to work. She realized that internally that certain things she had resolved, but how she described it was the flower wasn't blossoming because the garden wasn't right. Hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, girl, she applied for a new job. Sure. She got it. Sure. And she's flourishing. And so by us looking internally, for her specifically on that day, the realization was, no, it's my external. I can water and take care of me here, but I'm just in the wrong place. I'm not flourishing. I'm having to act every day to get myself to work. And I was just so humbled because, like you say, I don't think I really thought of all these things. I feel like it's it's told to me. I genuinely think that God has me here to do this. And 
some things I also figure on the go or I hear on the go and that's why it develops on the go. So for her, I said to a girl, I think I was just a messenger. Eh? <laughs> I'm really happy for you. But it's 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 stories like that that make me think, cool, let's have another workshop. Yeah. And then we touch base with the other ladies and they had different things that they're also still working on. So it's a journey. I think Lady Liberty is a journey towards you getting to your nirvana of wellness. We can't fix certain things. Sometimes the, the impact is in you realizing that, oh, that's the issue. And then you also build or realize you have the capacity to build in the solution. And then we walk with you. Sure. Like, is, is powerful the right word to describe like what I'm feeling <laughs> right now? Because damn. <laughs> it sounds so much like confidence is built and boosted just by participating in these workshops and just by engaging with you and um, just you know, understanding the process and the journey and confidence, you know, like I said in the beginning of the show, it, it it's a big thing, mm. particularly for women, because mm. so many times society tells us that we shouldn't be this confident or they try to dictate what we can and can't do or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But Lady Liberty sounded like a solve to that mm. kind of thing. So in like a very generic context, you know, you going about your day, you know, we, the, one of the first things we do is we just take out our phones mm. and we start scrolling and we're automatically exposed to what other women are doing and how beautiful other women look and how many likes other women get. Yeah. And you look at yourself, and you're like, this pimple, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. You know, what role does comparisons to other women and what role does, you, you know, our inner voices telling ourselves that maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I'm not qualified or maybe I should keep quiet and become that church mouse in the back. Yeah. What does that do in the long run for our confidence as women? You know, um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of those situations of women who come to you yeah. broken yeah. and your role is to essentially fix. Yeah. What are, what does that look like? So it's a very tricky thing because I think even speaking from personal experiences for myself before the ladies that I encounter, I think there's a danger in comparing yourself to other women or other people when you yourself don't even realize you're doing that. So somewhere in your subconscious, there's certain messaging that's already imprinted. You're either not good enough, not curvaceous enough, not tall enough, not smart enough, etc. And so you step into the world with the sense that already something is missing here. And so in the places that you are placed in or where you present yourself, you're not stepping in fully because you yourself don't necessarily think that you are in a position to because there's this lack and that lack or so you believe. But I think that when I encounter women and there's something happening there, I think my task is to almost highlight that something's happening here. Do you realize um, that you've just said this? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Do you think it could mean that? Or perhaps, you know, you're feeling there's a lack in this or a lack in that. Once something is ignited, I really think just my job is to ignite. Because unfortunately, I'm also not a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I, I listened to this amazing um, uh, podcast. And it was a, a psychologist who works with people to show them how their brain is working and how certain things have now become a pattern and how to, as best as possible, first of all, understand the pattern and then see where to cut the unhealthy things that add to insecurity or add to your fears or add to a lack of belief in yourself. So I think that when I encounter a scenario like that, what firstly is to just highlight and then secondly is to help the woman almost unravel it for herself, the work that she's needing to do with the people that she's needing to do. So sometimes it's paying a professional. Sometimes it's maybe starting to meditate and being guided on how best to do it. Other times it's, I don't know, maybe some other component of your spiritual journey. And that's exactly why we're looking at it holistically. Other times it's to maybe get a job because you're just feeling so unworthy because you can't even afford tampons for yourself at the end of the month and you're dependent on this person who's abusing you. So maybe that lack of confidence is just coming from the fact that you know, and it might not be a deeper trauma. And for other people, it is a deeper trauma. Maybe they've been raped and I've never dealt with that before. So I think my mission is to work with the ladies for them to uncover what is happening. And then again, together we try and map out the potential solution and it will never be the same for two women. 
Exactly. I mean, we all have different experiences. We all go yeah. through different things. Uh, but even in those differences, I feel like there's a lot of similarities. Mm. And that's where these support groups come into play. That's where, um, you know, having organizations such as Lady, Lady Liberty come in because you sit in a group of women and you realize, man, mm. it's not just me. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's something to be said about, you know, yep. <laughs> I mean, it's not a cool <laughs> thing, but suffering together kind of makes it feel a little bit better because then you just put that energy into solving the suffering together and then winning together. And I wish that that's something that more women can, uh, you know, focus on and think about, you know, because essentially this, this culture of, um, of confidence is important, you know, having the right angle in how you view confidence culture is, is so key because it can separate you from the next person. And you find yourself in a situation where you're getting into a workplace it's probably your first time there and you're like, yay, my manager's a woman. This is going to be amazing. And it turns out to not be as yeah. amazing as you'd hoped. Mm. Your manager suddenly gatekeeping. Mm. Your manager suddenly jealous of you. Mm. She's suddenly whatever the case is. But uh, particularly in corporate settings, a lot of women battle yeah. with that exact thing, with comparisons and with not having the right support. So how how exactly, you know, does what are some of the solutions yeah. that we can maybe explore, you know, because in a working environment, you spend so much time there. You go there Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And like we, we both know that the environment plays a massive huge. role, a huge, it can yeah. make or break how you behave and who you become. Mm-hmm. So if you have this unfortunate work environment, that's toxic. And the women there are crazy <laughs> and they don't like you because you're doing too well in your job. Mm-hmm. And they just like, don't want you to grow. What are some of the things that we can put into practice so that we don't suffer in those circumstances? So I think if we're talking about the workplace specifically, um, also speaking from personal experience, there's certain things that you can try before you get to a place of thinking, let me change my environment. Number one, I think, is a conversation. So if I'm like, Lebang, you know, in that meeting, this is what happened. And I was wondering if it could have gone different, if your feedback could have been delivered to me different. Sometimes that works. Someone's like, oh, my goodness, you're right. I didn't realize I'm absolutely sorry. My tone, they might even be like, I had a great bad morning, da, da, da. And then for sure, sometimes the person changes and realizes that the way that they um, engage with other people has a negative impact sometimes. If that doesn't work, then you explore the change within the organization, whether then it's HR or whether it's if you have a a workplace forum, for example, whatever options you do have. If that doesn't work, again, it might then be a bit of self-preservation mode to say also introspection is really powerful because sometimes in the scenarios that we encounter, I think there's always a bit of a contributing factor from both parties. So if you treat me wrong in that same meeting, if I also stand up and I'm shouting and I'm cursing you out, we are now just, it's almost a bit difficult to tell who the crazy one is in the scenario. Maybe I'll thinking I'm defending myself, etc. but maybe is my response also healthy? Perhaps not. So if I've come to a point of absolute honest introspection and I realize that I've done my best, then it might then be the best opportunity to consider where else to go or where um, to move yourself to be in a healthier and less toxic environment. But there's something important that you said as well about women and us sort of suffering together. I think you're absolutely right. There's so many things that we struggle with in common from PMS to motherhood to being a sister to just as a colleague, you know, to our hair concerns, nails, all of it. And some of the inner deeper stuff as well, traumas in the past, family relationships, etc. And I think our first major unfortunate sort of not downfall but something we're still missing is first of all just that acknowledgement that we're in this together i don't know where it comes from i don't have the answer and i'm still seeking it out that the pie is not big enough for the both of us or i must be seen to be in charge and in control and everything's fine i've got my life together so i'll never come and say to you oh the day i'm having because i'm now showing some form of vulnerability or i'm not so in control all the time so i think that it starts at the place of authenticity. If I'm authentic enough to know that, you know what, I'm not going to be on top of things all the time. I'm not going to be an absolutely great mom. Sometimes I'm going to snap because I've had a horrible day. I'm tired and you're nagging about a chocolate bar and it's bad for your teeth and I've been telling you. And then in the moment I'm like, I'm sorry, baby, I didn't mean to snap. Other times I'm not going to be a great colleague. But the knowledge that 
sometimes life is amazing, sometimes it's not, and I can go to my sisters to figure out. So you might have something nailed that I'm struggling with and vice versa. To knowledge share, to almost be together, I think we will be such a force, Mm -hmm. such a force where we're not necessarily seeing each other as threats or I'm going to be seen less than. I think that's something that we need to start thinking about and wondering what is really stopping us from reaching out to each other. I, I don't really have the answer. One, 100% is this, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm just like, she's right. <laughs> like, where did this actually begin? And, and I think a lot of it kind of stems from the term strong yeah. black woman. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> like, as I inhale and exhale, because literally. my gosh, we grow up being told that that's something that we should strive for. Mm. So that's what we do. And if you split those words up, there's strong, right? And strong is pretty much the opposite of weak, which is the opposite of vulnerability, which is the opposite of tears, which is the opposite of admitting that you can't do something. It's it's essentially like pretending that you've got everything, all your shits together. All the time. All the time. (laughs) Nothing ever goes wrong. And I can't let people see that. Then there's the black element, which is also just historic with... You know, we raise our kids as single moms and the kids are going to be fine. The husband's left the household. It's fine. You know, like all these historic things that we just kind of inherit. And then there's the woman element, which in its its nature is a, you know, a soft, it's a nurturing, Mm. it's a warm place to be. Mm. And all of these things that we grow up uh, being told to do just kind of goes against our natural being absolutely so we end up quite confused in ourselves about how am i supposed to do this you know i need to cry away from the kids yeah. they can't see me upset if if your boss is shouting at you as the manager you can't let your staff see you yep. because if they see we really just overthink so many things it's a lot as humans <laughs> like if we can just go back to our natural selves and just live life and stop trying to put on performances yeah. all the time. Yeah. I think things would work a lot smoother. Things would be a lot better. The ship would just be running mm. versus like, you know, the stagnancy that's happening and all this tension and conflict. And I, I don't really blame, I don't blame a lot of people for feeling that way, but it's okay to undo some things. It is okay. I'm, I'm realizing more and more that this, this term strong black woman, it's kind of, it's fading away. Mm. Personally, I don't, I don't conform to it. I don't think it's a real thing. And more and more of my sisters are doing the same thing. Where it's like, ah, come on, dude. All of that stuff. It's, we're rewriting yeah. the way that we we view and live and love and life. You know, there's more and more more women like you who want to support and want to create safe spaces for us just to be ourselves. And less and less women who are just like, you know, no, I'm the boss, (laughs) you're nothing. So Mm. it's interesting to see that shift. But what what would you say is the ultimate end goal for Lady Liberty? You know, what is, you know, where's where's it going? Because from listening to you, I'm like, okay, cool. This is sounding great. The work that's being done, it sounds dope. But what is the big picture for Lady Liberty? So the big picture is a center for women. excuse me, I can actually see it. A place of safety where if I walk in, there is health services on the right. I can do my pap smears, check for lumps under my breast if I don't know how to do it myself, talk about contraception and, and whatever other concerns I have. On another side, there's another safe space with a team of psychologists. If I'm needing to just sit on a couch and cry Mm. (laughs) and talk about it and get someone who's trained to help me maneuver these big emotions and thoughts and help me unpack what could be going on and how to go about it. In another room is a training center where we're looking at women who might be needing just assistance with if they're skilled with their hands. We have machines etc. Learn how to use a computer. Um, Others who are needing to, just depending on where the level is. Um, And this center is just like a hub 
of safety, but that offers all these components of wellness in one space. The only thing I'm still praying about is I don't want for the geographical location of the space to also then exclude other women. Perhaps the miracle will be that it's in every province or wherever we grow to. So there's like a central place or virtually for the women who maybe can't reach us, that part I'm still waiting on clarity for. But I'm seeing this thing become practical, like tangible where they can walk in literally drop the bag (laughs) and if they've got nowhere to go like maybe transitional housing um, where the women are you escape abuse it's a secret location while we're working on the protection order etc you are there this person cannot find you and then we go through the journey of the legal process your counseling helping you get back on your feet and be able to earn an income by the time you leave the space then you leave and also just go about your life and then we have women coming in so I see it as an ongoing cycle of different touch points of your wellness so that's where we're going when we'll get the angazi <laughs> soon and very soon amen <laughs> that that definitely sounds like a beautiful picture and you know i can only hope that you'll get there in the time that you're meant to you. with the people that believe in it and uh of course partnering and collaborating that's with true. some very very crucial members how important is collaboration in the work that you do. I mean, just sitting here, I can also picture that center. I'm like, okay, right, you can look see like it, right? <laughs> as you walk into the lift, I'm mm-hmm. like, I can see it. But I also know that with something that, that is that big, you need people and Absolutely. you need the right people. How important is collaboration in the work that you do? Oh my goodness. It is the key to making, I think a deep impact. I am not, have never been, will never profess to be, first of all, the knower of all things. I don't know all things. I'm also not going to step out of my expertise and then tomorrow I'm a psychologist, today I'm back to being a lawyer. So I cannot do this by myself. First of all, the lesson was in the burnout (laughs) because I was the girl sitting at SARS, getting our paperwork, looking for the clients, looking for the lawyers, driving, going to the community, lodging the cases and, and in my body and everything was like, no, this is, that has to go different. And so collaboration is key to actually this being a success. I'm trusting God for the right people because sometimes, you know, alignment is very important in any type of relationship, professional or otherwise. And I think the few have actually started to trickle in. So I have people building, let's say, the technical stuff. I have an amazing new assistant, Sandisu, as well, who's here with us today. I'm like, oh, I'm breathing easier already just from having her. I have a team looking at the sort of spiritual wellness. What does that mean? What can that look like? And I have some lawyers already saying, okay, with these workshops, what can we do? What does should we? What part of SGBV are we looking at? At what kind of intervals? So collaboration is absolutely essential to this. The trick is just in the right ones and I mean if things don't work out you try again but I am I'm praying about putting the blueprint in place so that even when partners come on board it's clear what we're trying to achieve it's clear what the vision is and it's just I always envision it as a choir if I'm I'm the conductor I'm not going to play the percussion or the piano or whatever but you are the expert right but just know that this is our 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 music this is the tune we're trying to play together so this is your part stop here play there stop there play there so I can't actually do it without collaboration I feel like there's literally nothing in the world that can be done without collaboration. Agreed. No one is an island. No one is just a single person yeah. roaming this earth. Yeah. I strongly believe that one of our purposes here is to collaborate. Mm. It's to meet each other and build and create and grow things, mm. um, particularly things that we're passionate about, things that are in line with what we believe in. So you spoke a little bit now about um, a workshop that you, you know, yes. the workshops that you do. And I know you previously did one about, you know, do you find yourself struggling with public speaking? Mm. Now, some of us are lucky. <laughs> we were just born. Just be talkers, right? Exactly. <laughs> God just said, on a max, get said, talk. Speak. <laughs> Speak, my child. We don't struggle with that. But yeah. I know so many people yeah. where you put them on a stage and they go, see, mm. And they choke. (laughs) And for them, it's an actual thing where now Mm. they need to go for media training, Mm. whatever the case is. So how do you select the topics for your workshops? I mean, with such a wide range of problems and matters and issues that women are facing daily, how do you say, okay, cool, that is the one that we're dealing with today? Mm. You know, what what factors do you look at when when you're putting these workshops together that you know that 
a mass group or like a bulk women that come together can benefit from this? So the first one is by request. Um, I'll often have ladies say, we know what you do. Can we on a Saturday morning just come together? Like this one lady who's even given me her testimony. She was like, even if it's just me, can I just come? (laughs) I love her. She's hilarious as well. Um, And then I was like, girl, I really don't think you're the only one. Let's do a bit of research, advertise. And lo and behold, um, there were lots of women saying, me too, me too, me too. And all of them with the different uh, sort of reasons behind that fear or that sort of paralysis that happens when they have to speak publicly. So firstly, it's by request. But secondly, I know it sounds a bit corny, but then sometimes I know, like it just drops in my spirit, like the SGBV component. Yes, the stats will also support that. Um, Or the news will tell you another woman's been murdered, another one's being abused by a high-profile person or not a high-profile person. But then the knowledge of you need to stand up here you need to leave this one alone. You need to collaborate and tackle this one. Sometimes it's something I just pray about and it comes to me and I know what to do. However, with this team now in place, we're also looking at what topics are almost automatically linked to other topics. So, for example, this woman who said to me, uh, I will get the protection order. The police will go home with me and help me pack my luggage. But then and the police are like, okay, you're out of the house. You're safe. Go. I have nowhere to go. So the automatic link is, okay, now we need to speak to the shelters. That when you get to the shelters and understand, because they also sometimes function on different models. Sometimes you just stay there and sort of rest and heal and do nothing. Other shelters are like, no, you've got six months. Let's help you get back on your feet. And then you move. Within that six months, there's a program of sorts. How do we help you earn money? Um, how do we help you with the psychological parts, etc.? So it's in connecting a particular topic to what are the ancillary issues that come up that we then determine, okay, we will then need to help you with the skills development component. If you already started some sort of small business, maybe plugging you with networks, etc. So if it's not by request, it's not something that I feel I need to respond to, the team's actually busy fleshing out right now. How do we connect the things that are coming almost automatically together, but still staying within the focus of we want you to be well enough to just go and be your most authentic self that thrives. 100%. You know, listening to you, I just, I just kind of got triggered. Um, I remember maybe a couple of months ago, I was interviewing these wonderful ladies at Oxfam South Africa who also do a lot of on-the-ground work and helping women with their cases and helping women get out of their homes that are abusive and moving on to the next step. And one of the things that stood out in those conversations was the response from the police. Unfortunately, there's an illness inside the South African police service where a woman will go there and say one of three things. Um, I'm in an abusive relationship. Please, can you help me? Or I've been raped by my, my husband. Please, can you help me? Or I got into a fight with my husband, whatever. They'll, they'll go in and they'll explain themselves. And unfortunately, the response more times is always, ah, sister, it's your husband. Go home and fix your things, you know, solve your issues. You know how marriage is. Or It's rare for them to be like, what? Mm. Oh no, we need to open a case immediately. Let's help yeah. you, let's help you. So why is that such a barrier, you know? And what are some of the ways that we can curb that thing from happening? And look, I'll, I'll be honest, mm. it doesn't help that there are some women who will open a case against their husbands for GBV or whatever the case is and then drop the charges yeah, on Monday after. when he's sober and her, her bruises have healed. Yeah. That obviously does nothing for the process. However... In those cases where the women are desperate to get out and desperately need the help of the South African police service, you know, what can we do to curb that sort of immediate initial mindset and initial response of go go home and fix it? Yeah, I think firstly, um, it's also the understanding of some of the root causes of that. And I think most of it is cultural. Mm. There's a lot of things. I feel like that would be a whole other podcast for another day. Um, I've actually just uh, completed a research that was looking at the fact that parents being allowed to consent to the marriage of their minor children actually perpetuates them being abused in those marriages, particularly for African girls and women because of the foundation that 
culture plays in these marriages. So before I get persecuted, not to say there's anything wrong with culture, but sometimes the interpretation of certain things that are cultural or, or norms that are set by culture, or sometimes actual abuse of those things leads to certain abuses. And that's the argument there. But coming back to the police, I think that because there's a, a sort of belief that umfazi must and or can um, serve, serve your man, whatever happens, you can't say no to sex, for example. And actually, yes, I can. <laughs> Even if he's my husband, I actually can. That could be rape. The cultural foundation that most males have, um, which is also another thing, by the way, me reporting this thing to another man is a whole other discussion. Um, it cements certain beliefs that, of course, your husband can never rape you. Or, I man, go talk it out. I'm being bored of a woman. That's where that really comes from. But I think that some of the the changes that we can make isn't just informing. Um, I had a workshop last year sometime um, under American Corners. So what they do is they provide spaces, um, often within, let's say, a library, for example, where on the one side there's a space full of computers and the youth can come and access free Wi-Fi, create and build CVs, etc. Um, in another room is training and development and they host different types of trainings to help all sorts of people. And so in that particular training, it was focused on service providers of victims or I like to say survivors of SGBV. And we had SAPS, we had Metro Police, uh, some people who ran shelters, some counselors, um, visiting lecturers. It was a, a really full and diverse room of service providers. And it was, I, I'd like to think we created a safe enough space for some of them to say, what's emotional abuse? Uh, because the Domestic Violence Act talks about that. Um, financial, emotional, not only physical abuse. And they were like, how does a person even report that part? Because I don't have the scars to prove that I've been abused physically. And it made me realize that there's also a lack of understanding that I could be abused in a way that I want to uh, get a protection order to protect me. However, it might not necessarily be physical. I don't necessarily have the evidence and, and scars and photos to show you. So some of it is also in knowledge sharing and training and just ensuring that our service providers, SAPS and alike within that space are armed with the information and the knowledge to understand the, the various scopes of what abuse is. But in the meantime, how to solve it, I'm not sure. Perhaps it's ongoing education or also women insisting where they can to maybe even speak to a female officer or to go to a different a police station. But that's also difficult because there's issues of jurisdiction that might limit them. But there's also something that's connected to why women drop cases other times. There is a psychological component that bars women from seeing their cases through. Other times, yes, maybe the husband's threatened or begged and pleaded and bought a brand new vehicle to so I'll never do it again, etc. But other times, the toil of going through the process is so heavy that they'd rather just let it go. Sadly so. Yeah. Sadly, sadly so. When Again, like I said in the beginning, when you just think of court, you're like, oh, mm. it's going to be such a process. Oh, mm. my gosh. Da, da, da. But I, I think over time, if you can focus on the importance of sticking it through, yeah. you'll do it. I mean, in the beginning of the year, when I got served uh, and told you have to yeah. arrive at court you're at like, this time what? with your child, I was like, what? Who, me? Why? And <laughs> mentally, I was shook. I was like, how am I going to do this? Yes. I, I don't even have the strength to take my child to court. Yeah. What are we going to do? Da, 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 da. And I'll be honest, those first like one or two sessions were, were, were pretty hectic. Yeah. Emotionally, I was like drained. Yeah. But because I saw it through to the end, now like I'm the first person to be at court. Like mm. if we need to solve something, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> like right now we can actually sit together and solve. Yeah, let's go. Let's because go. I realize how important it is. And some of these, these spaces, um, uh, some of these processes are made hard on purpose to deter you, to make you go, oh, mm, you know what, let me just leave it. I'll yeah. try again next week or yeah. maybe next year. And you just don't prioritize it. Yeah. But once you get in, once you just get your foot in, you realize that you can do it. But a big element of that is the education element. Absolutely. If you just know enough about what you're doing, then you realize that you can do it. You can. It's so possible. Yeah. It's not always, you know, this big difficult thing that it seems like so I I encourage more and more women and just people in general listening out there today you can do it mm. there's support structures there's organizations like lady liberty when you can go and <laughs> ask the right questions and get the help that you need you're not alone and this speaks to the collaboration element that we discussed um 
briefly earlier, you can't do anything by yourself. You Absolutely. literally cannot. And that's okay. So I, w- I want to do a little bit of bragging. I mean, you know, you, <laughs> you've done some really, really exciting things. I mean, you know, you were recognized by the UN Women's Singapore Committee, you know, <laughs> and the MasterCard Foundation's Project Inspire. You've also been nominated for the Justice Entrepreneurship School. You are just doing God's work. Uh, like, congratulations. <laughs> You're an Archbishop Desmond Tutu Fellow, L'Oreal Paris Woman of Worth. <laughs> How many women do you know that you can say that about? I mean, we are among greatness so no. <laughs> you know it it, it 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 would be it would be sad for me to not mention all of your achievements because my hope is that somebody listening out there can be inspired yeah. by the work that you do in the way that you do because there was a time where you weren't doing this I work wasn't. absolutely and now here you are yeah. being recognized by <laughs> you know you're just that girl so if somebody's out there listening and they want to connect with you and they want to get in touch. Maybe they want to attend a workshop. Maybe they just want to suggest something or yeah. they just want access to your resources. Where can they get a hold of you and how does that look like? Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the acknowledgements. It was at those points, it was just a bit of encouragement. Like, okay, maybe you're onto something here again. Just keep going. So that does mean a lot. Um, it was lots of blood, sweat, literal tears uh, and lots of time on my knees. Um, so how to get a hold of us? We, I'm not great with social media, but again, Sandy, my lifesaver has arrived. We now have an Instagram page. <laughs> so you can find us, Lady Liberty SA. Um, if you want to email, you can email Sandy Seaway at ladyliberty.org.za. And then whatever it is that you have in mind, we'll connect and we can take it from there. That sounds so exciting. That really does sound cool. When is the next event? So there is one, but I think it's a closed session. It's a follow-up to the one that I told you about with all the service providers. Mm. So I think that having gone through the Domestic Violence Act at that time, they have come up with different issues that they would now want to follow up on. So I think it's the same group there. But if people keep an eye on our pages, we'll advertise there and share widely. But that one is um, towards the end of August. There's one in early September. It's around SGBV. I think that one will be open. But we'll advertise widely. We also have a Twitter page nice. and yeah we'll just keep uh, you informed what is the Twitter handle Twitter handle is at Lady Liberty SA <laughs> oh, nice you heard it here first Lady Liberty SA across social media give them a shout you know if, if anything that we spoke about today like triggered you or if something we discussed made you go Asia, you know I've been <laughs> meaning to I think this is a great time to just finally get it done sign it off of your bucket list and just put the work in because again there's support there's people that um, that don't want you to struggle in the things that you need to do. We're trying to build a culture of more confident women yeah. in the workplace, in the home place. We need more confident wives, mm. sisters, mothers, um, you know, that are going to be okay with being themselves through and through. Absolutely. Even if people are going to judge you, it is what it is. Yep. Only God can judge you. Like yep. that you can't run away from. You will get judged, mm-hmm. but don't take that judgment and let it sit in your heart. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're fine, honey. You do Just do your best and you'll be okay. Samantha Nobubele Mkanda, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. English. We did well. Exactly. It's not my mother tongue this time. <laughs> and we did it. We did. Thank you so much for joining Life with Lebang this week. It was very, very lovely to chat to you. Hopefully we can hang out again soon and we can speak about so many other things. I mean, there's there's so many subtopics in the one bigger topic. You know, the one with the will, I was mm. like, oh, damn, I was triggered. The <laughs> fat and said one, I was like, quadruple triggered. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, yo, damn, there's so much we need to talk about. So let's make yeah. the time and then we can make it happen. No problem. Thank you so much for having us. I know this sounds really corny, but then I'm glad that you also used your God-given gift to come and speak, but then making an impact while you're doing that and just connecting people and speaking about topics that are really important that some people don't get the opportunity to engage with or even hear. So thank you very much for having us here as well. I believe what's meant to happen will happen. And let's please connect. And to all the listeners as well, thank you for spending your morning with us. Fantastic. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode of Life with Lebang brought to you by cliffcentral.com. We will be back same time, same place next week. You know where to find us. Love and light. Cliffcentral.com.